<laughs> Hi, this is Brittany. And this is Casey. And we are the Professionally Unprofessionals. Hi, everybody. Today we're going to be talking about the movie Parasite. So before we get into the episode, I do want to give a little disclaimer that we are going to do a full in-depth synopsis about the storyline of Parasite. If you want to go ahead and skip ahead because you've already seen the movie, then you want to go to the timestamp two and a half minutes all the way to the timestamp 58 minutes and 15 seconds. And you can meet us there for the discussion. Where can you find the movie? Right now it's streaming on Hulu. But I know that it's on other streaming services, but I believe that you have to pay for it. So if you don't have Hulu, then you'd have to pay to watch it. So to start off, this movie came out in 2019, so just last year. And it has already won four Oscars and a total of 259 awards. Wow. It also had 222 other nominations. So... It's a pretty highly awarded movie, obviously, and I've heard a lot of good things about the movie, which is why I wanted to watch it. And so after I watched it, of course, I forced Brittany to watch it because that's a running theme in our friendship is that we force each other to do things. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's all healthy and good, I'm sure. (laughs) They are foreign names, and I'm not a Korean speaker, so... But starting off, I know, with the two parents of the, like, the two main character parents are Mr. and Mrs. Kim, and then there's Mr. and Mrs. Park, which is the rich family, and there is Kai Woo, who is, his English name is Kevin, and then Kai Jung, who goes by Jessica, and then those two are Mr. and Mrs. Kim's children. Da Hai is Mr. and Mrs. Park's daughter. She's 15. And then Da Sung is the Park's son. And he is, I believe, nine. And then there is Moon Guang, who is the original housekeeper for Mr. and Mrs. Park. And then Jun Se, who is the housekeeper's husband. So going into what this movie is all about. So at the beginning of the movie, they show the Kims all sitting around their kitchen table. And you can see right off the bat that they're not the wealthiest. They're kind of in like this compact apartment looking kitchen room. You know, like you can kind of tell that it's not like high class. Yeah, it's not spacious by any means. Yeah. Um, And so they're kind of going on about like how they can't afford certain things their phones have been shut off they're trying to use wi-fi from surrounding businesses but one of the wi-fi services just kicked them off and so they're trying to like walk around their little apartment to try to catch wi-fi signals from other places so like you can tell they're if they can't afford the wi-fi and they can't afford to have their phones on then it's they're not in the best spot financially mm-hmm. and so moving throughout the movie kai Wu or kevin has a friend who comes and visits and he's a university student and so when he comes and visits and walks into the apartment the parents are kind of like on edge a little bit because like they're kind of embarrassed because he's a university student so he has like 
better resources. And so having him come in, it was kind of like, oh, like he's coming in here and then they're in there. Like yeah. messy apartment, you know? And so the college friend's name is Min. And he comes and tells Kevin that he's actually going to go study abroad and he's an English tutor right now. So he's offering him the position to step in while he's studying abroad. And so Kevin accepts and his sister, Jessica, goes and forges documents, making it look like that Kevin is a university student as well so that he's able to keep the job as the English tutor so that the family doesn't turn him away for not being educated. And Min says, like, off the bat, that he's probably going to be fine because um, he had to do the college entrance exams at least four times throughout his military service. So he is, like, well-versed in English. And so he goes and interviews with the family and interviews to be the tutor and kind of notices that the mom... It's like not the brightest. She's kind of like, yeah, because the scene when he enters the house, she's in the backyard and she's kind of like passed out on the patio mm-hmm. furniture. And to me, I wasn't sure if that was like meaning she was drunk, yeah, or if she was like on something, or I don't know. But she's shown like several times within the movie, like sleeping during the day, like, but she's like a stay-at-home mom, like and doing all this stuff Mm -hmm. like so I don't know if that's really like telling for anything like if I was home all day I'm gonna take naps like all about it (laughs) but just like when the maid goes to try to wake her up and stuff like she's not waking up right away I don't know there was something like happening that wasn't just like she's taking a nap on the patio furniture it did not look comfortable (laughs) yeah yeah it wasn't a prime napping spot so after he has, after Kevin has that interview and like kind of like shows off that he can be an English tutor, um, she's showing him out. And before he leaves, they talk about their son, Dawson. And she's like pointing out his different paintings and stuff and saying that he is like a really good artist and he, like, they haven't been able to keep a tutor for him and that kind of thing. And so he, something clicks in his head and he gets this idea to tell her that he knows somebody from Chicago who like has a cousin and so that it's not directly linked to him that he's mentioning his sister for the position. And so she like eats that up and is like, oh, like I would really like to meet her and like go ahead and introduce us because like throughout the movie, it's shown again and again that she really prioritizes recommendations for different people to be mm-hmm. like in their house rather than just trying to find somebody. And so then Jessica comes over and interviews and right off the bat, she's kind of like making it seem like she's too good for it. Like she plays this role where she's like, I'm not going to let you waste my time. Like I charge a lot. I'm in high, de- high demand to make it seem like yeah. this is what she actually does. She's not just this person who's scamming them. And so she does this really great job of, like, being, like, you need me, so, like, hire me now, but, like, also, you have to pay me a lot, you know? Like, the mom needs her. She doesn't need the mom. Yeah. So 
Yeah, so then Kevin and Jessica are both hired as tutors for the family. And, okay, so a little disclaimer. I've watched this movie three times now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so each time you, like, see, like, different things. Um, but, like, the first time I watched it, I didn't quite catch on to what was going on. Like, them, like, slowly infiltrating their family into this rich family's house. But they kind of, like, they make this whole scheme to get their whole family hired by this rich family. So after Jessica's hired, she has to <laughs> go, um, she has to figure out a way to get her other parents hired, right? Mm-hmm. So... On that night that Jessica had her interview, she's going home, and the Park family driver drives her um, to the bus station, but while she's in the car, you can kind of sense that he's not the greatest guy, and he's almost trying to, like, force her to have her tell him, like, where she lives, and saying, like, oh, like, I don't need to drop you off at the bus station, I can just take you all the way home. And she says no, and then he says it again, and she's like, no, like, it's fine. And then he's like, oh, well, it's raining. I'll just take you home. And, like, you can kind of, like, tell that she's uncomfortable because she's like, actually, I have my boyfriend waiting for me at the train station. And so then he's like, oh, and stops, like, drops it. Mm -hmm. And so at that moment is when she's, like, she decides to, like, con the family further and takes off her underwear in the car and slides it underneath the passenger seat, which is where Mr. Park usually sits when he's in the car. And so then it shows, um, I don't know if it was a couple days later or like just a day later, whatever, but Mr. Park is sitting in the car and he's looking at some paperwork for his business. And one of the papers falls and he leans over to pick it up and then he sees the underwear. So he picks it up and then he like looks at the driver and he's like, oh, like, you know, like obviously something was going on in the backseat that I wouldn't want going on in the backseat. So he shows his wife and um, they kind of talk about like how like maybe it's just like this perverted thing he does. He likes to sleep with women in the backseat and then kind of insinuates that you don't usually leave your underwear in the back seat. Like that's not something you typically forget. And that maybe the woman that the driver was sleeping with weren't fully all there because like maybe he had drugged them or something. And then I think they mentioned the use of meth. Yeah. Or cocaine. And yeah. She was like, Oh, was there any white powder? The Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of shows the wife is very I don't know how to say this correctly, but she's like not the smartest, not the brightest. She's like, oh my gosh, is there white powder everywhere? Like, how dare they? Yeah. But I'm not also sure if it's like the cultural norm that like the wife is. I think it's more that she really cares about their image. Yeah. And so if her husband was driving around with like a client or something and they saw white powder, then what would they think of the family mm-hmm. kind of thing? But it was almost like she's, like, naive. Yeah, like, every time something happened and the wife was involved, it was, like... Yes! No! I can't believe it! Yeah, she's very naive is the right word. And so then that night, Jessica's kind of listening into their conversation, like, making sure that it's going the way they want it to go, right? 
And then she finally comes, like, makes sounds that she's coming down so that they know that she's coming. And they, like, throw the underwear. And they're like, oh, like, the lesson's done. <laughs> you know, like, trying to pretend like nothing's happening. And so yeah. um, Mrs. Park walks Jessica out and is like, hey, like, I know that the driver took you last time. Like, did anything happen? And Jessica's like, oh, no, like, he was actually really nice kind of thing. Um, but then, like, says, oh, he asked if I wanted him to drive me all the way home. And then, like, that for Mrs. Park, that was like, oh, my gosh, you know, like. It was scandalous. Yeah. It's like, she, he almost knew where you lived. And then she's like, well, I told him, just drop me off at the bus stop. And she's like, oh, good. And then, like, throughout this conversation, like, even though Jessica's the one scamming them, she's like, oh, you're just so young. Like, you don't know. Of, like, you're so innocent. You don't know yeah. people. And so that's kind of just, like, a running theme throughout, like, these people, like, have to know, like, they have to be street smart. Like, they scam so many things because they have to meet ends meet, you know? And then, like, yeah. really, it's Mrs. Park who doesn't know anything because the whole family's scamming her. And so, yeah. which is, it just happens throughout the whole movie. But anyway, she ends up saying that she knows somebody who has been a driver for a really long time. Like, she used to call him uncle when she was little. Like, she could really, like, highly recommend him. And really, it's her father. But Mrs. Park eats this up and was like, oh, yeah, like, I'd love to meet him. Like, recommendation is the strongest way to find people to work for you kind of thing. And so then comes in the father working for the family. And so now the son, the daughter, and the father all have paying roles within this rich family's life. So then all that is left is the mother. So they have to come up with this big scheme on how to get the housekeeper out of the house, which is like this really big deal because the housekeeper had worked for the previous family that lived in the house. Well, I don't, it wasn't a family. It was just one man, I believe. I don't know if his whole family lived there. They never really said, um, but he was the man who built the house. And so when he ended up leaving, he left a recommendation letter for the housekeeper and was like, you should really hire her. Like, she's great. And so the family did. They kept her on, which later in the movie, Mr. Park is, like, saying how his wife can't really cook or clean. Like, she doesn't really have much use in that department. And so, like, yeah. having a housekeeper is really important to the family because then, if not, the house would be in shambles. And so they have this big scheme of getting the housekeeper out, which involves using a deathly allergy of hers and it's actually quite intricate like they have to run lines with each other making sure that everybody's on the same page they literally take a razor blade and shave peach fuzz off of peaches and put it in little vials so that when they're walking by they can like sprinkle it on her and the whole thing is that they're trying to make it look like she's has tuberculosis and so the housekeeper goes to the hospital um, and is trying – I don't know why she was at the hospital. I think it was because, like, when she was on the phone, she had said something like, oh, no, there's no peaches around. So I think oh. it's like she knew – yeah, she knew there wasn't, like, peaches around, so she wasn't sure why she was having these right. reactions. So she was going in to see if there was something else she was allergic to or if there's something else wrong. Because she's having these symptoms, but there's no peaches. Yeah. But in reality, like, we know that there yeah. was, but she wasn't aware of it. Right. And so, Mr. Kim, who is now the family driver, 
and the father of the poor family, goes to the hospital and finds where she's sitting and then positions himself so that he's taking a photo of himself with her in the background talking on the phone. And then he goes and shows shows this to Mrs. Park and says, hey, like, is this the housekeeper? And Mrs. Park is like, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, because, like, I've only seen her a couple times. So, like, I wasn't sure if it was him or I wasn't sure if it was her. But, like, oh, what a sad story. And then, of course, Mrs. Park feeds into it and is like, oh, like, tell me more. Tell me more. Like, don't be afraid to tell me kind of thing. And he basically says that when she was sitting in the hospital waiting room talking on the phone, she was talking very loudly about testing positive for TB, which is, like, pretty rare. Like, I know I had to work in a hospital one time and I had to be tested for TB, but, like, you don't really hear about people having tuberculosis. And so Mrs. Park, like, obviously points this out and he's like, oh, actually, Korea has the highest percentage. And I don't know if that's even accurate, but I'm sure, like, Mrs. Park is very naive. Like, she's more than... (laughs) like, likely to believe anything that anybody tells her, really. And, yeah. So, he sends a message to Jessica while she's at the house, when they're on their way home, and she gets ready to go put more peach fuzz on her, on the housekeeper, which sounds just ridiculous. Like, she goes and, like, puts more peach fuzz on her, and she starts having this allergy attack and she's like hacking and coughing as soon as um Mrs. Park and Mr. Kim are walking in the door. He pretends to be very concerned and walks over to the trash can where she threw the rag that she was coughing on and like puts hot sauce in there to make it look like it's blood so that it looks like she's coughing up blood. And this is how they get the housekeeper out of the house because Mrs. Park just doesn't want her husband to think that they had somebody in the house with tuberculosis because they have young children. Like, it's already been said that their son is at trouble because he's having these, like, mental disorder kind of attacks with his paintings and stuff. Yeah. And so they get her out of the house. And of course, Mr. Kim has a reference ready for her. And it just happens to be his wife. And they have this whole scheme about getting the mom in by having a business card and, like, setting up a whole, like, designated phone for the company so that they can look as professional, like, look as real as they possibly can. But, yeah, so then now the whole family is working for the parts. And... You can kind of see them, like, getting a little too cocky with their position in the family now. Like, they know that they've scammed the family. They know that they are in the house and they're getting all this money from them. And they're just, like, so proud of themselves for getting through this scheme successfully. And so it comes to the son's birthday and the Parks are going on this camping trip to go celebrate because they don't celebrate his birthdays at home anymore because of something traumatic happened to him that they don't disclose yet. The Kim family decides that the whole family's going to stay at the house while the parks are out camping because they have access to this like 
basically this luxurious life now and they don't have to stay in their semi-basement apartment that reeks and is just like awful compared to this mansion so they're all sitting there and they're all drinking and having a good time and basically like gloating that they were able to infiltrate themselves into the family so easily and talking about how Mrs. Park is so nice but like she's only nice because she's so rich then the doorbell starts ringing and all of them start kind of like panicking like who is here like who could possibly be here one at this hour but also like the parks are gone and so they keep ringing the doorbell and Mrs. Kim stands up and walks over and it's like one of those um, video cameras with the doorbell and it's the old housekeeper she's like really confused like why would she be there they know that she's not going to stop. She's just going to keep ringing the doorbell. So she answers the, like, video cam doorbell thing. And it's like, hey, like, what do you want? And she's like, oh, like, I'm the old housekeeper. Like, I can tell you exactly what the house looks like. I've been working here for many years. I think she says, like, she left something in the basement of hers. When she was fired, she had to leave really abruptly. So she left something in the basement that she wants to go get because it's hers, you know. So she wants to go get it. Mrs. Kim looks at the family and is like, oh, like, do I let her in? And, like, right away, the son, Kevin, is like, this isn't part of the plan, like, not a good idea. And so I was like, wow, she would have just listened to him. But she doesn't. She lets the house, the old housekeeper in. She has, like, all of these bruises and stuff on her face, and she's smiling really crazy-like, and, like, right off the bat, you can tell something's not right. And she just kind of rushes by... And she's, like, dripping because it's raining very hard outside. And so Mrs. Kim's like, oh, like, why don't you take off your jacket? Like, just leave it by the door because she's dripping water everywhere. And the old housekeeper goes, oh, like, it's not going to be long. I'm just going to go downstairs really quick and just rushes by everybody. And she goes downstairs and Mrs. Kim sits in the kitchen, like, waiting for her. And then it's this really long time that she's downstairs. And so Kevin kind of like motions to his mom, like, you need to go see what she's doing. Like, what is she doing down there? Why has she been down there that long? Mrs. Kim walks down there and it's like this really weird, bizarre scene when she goes down (laughs) because the old housekeeper's like positioned herself so that her feet are on the wall and her hands are on like a hutch kind of thing, trying to push it. But she's pushing so hard with all of her might, like using her feet to push along with her but she's not making any progress and so she like Mrs. Kim is really startled to see this woman like in this position and so she was like like what are you doing she's like like help me like what are you doing just standing there kind of thing and so she's like this is normal it's fine (laughs) just come and help me don't be alarmed yeah just like help me Mrs. Kim runs over and tries to help like as much as she can like starts pulling on the big dresser hutch thing pantry thing and notices that yeah but anyway (laughs) it's there's something underneath the shelving and so she takes it out and then odd like right away the thing moves easily and the house the old housekeeper falls down because she doesn't have anything resisting anymore and like rolls onto the floor and <laughs> like this, <laughs> this scene was so unreal because she just rolls onto the floor and then just gets up like nothing happened. I was like she like bounces. Yeah. She like hits like this um almost like a little 
like seat, like a bench. So she like falls down, hits the bench, <laughs> pops up, and then lands on the floor. And then she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, ready to go. Now it's opened. Yeah. And so Mrs. Kim, still startled. Like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Like, you just fell onto your face kind of thing. And she's just, the old housekeeper just starts going. And so she moves. Smiling. Yeah. She's this happy. Yeah, Yeah. it's so weird. And so, like, this whole scene leading up to this next part is just, like, you just feel uneasy because of this woman's demeanor. And then she moves the pantry thing out of the way. And there's a secret door. And so she opens the door and walks down this these stairs that go into, like, this really long corridor. And Mrs. Kim is, like, really thrown off because there's this whole other downstairs, right? And her family is standing on the stairs trying to, like, watch above them, like, the stairs leading down to what they thought was the basement, trying to hide themselves but still watching because they're like, what is this woman doing? Mrs. Kim runs after the old housekeeper down these stairs to see where she could possibly be going. And the old housekeeper is yelling, honey, honey, I'm here, honey, like over and over again. Clearly, there's somebody down here. And this is like, so throughout the whole movie, it's a comedy, right? Like, it's funny, like these people are scamming these people, and it's just like, funny. Yeah. But then up until this part, it's like, like there's some more eerie music playing as they're going down the stairs and I'm like like is this actually a scary movie like it just like totally shifted the feeling they go down this corridor Mrs. Kim finds where the old housekeeper is and the old housekeeper is giving food to who we now know is her husband and then so Mrs. Kim is like who is this like what is going on and it turns out that the old housekeeper's husband has been down there for over four years, just living down in this bunker system that the original architect built into the house, but they never told the new family who moved into it. And she says, I don't know if it's because he's embarrassed, because they usually typically use bunker systems in Korea to like evade nuclear missiles or to evade Well, this is why the husband's down there, because he gambled some money or whatever. He owed people money. Loan sharks. Yes. He was evading loan sharks. And so they had threatened his life and they didn't want, like, him to be killed because of the debts he owed. And so when the architect moved out and before the other family moved in, the old housekeeper snuck her husband to the bunker and he had just been living there ever since mrs kim is just like totally shocked and she's like okay well obviously i have to call the police like there there's no other option you're living down here this doesn't make any sense like this is sketchy the rest of her family is hiding on the stairs again trying to listen to what's going on making sure that the mom is safe you know like she just followed this woman down into the middle of nowhere and it's like all creepy trying to keep in the loop of what's going on i think it was the dad's foot but somebody's foot slipped and so all of them go falling down these stairs and then they make they're like it's all concrete too so you know this had to have hurt yeah but they make the mistake of kevin says ow dad like my ankle dad but he keeps saying dad and then mr kim says stop calling me dad 
And so <laughs> right away, the old housekeeper has her phone out and is videotaping this incident. Because she's already said that she knew that the parks were going to be out of town because she keeps in contact with the son, Da Sung, and is saying that, like, don't worry, she cut the surveillance camera so that they won't know that she's there, and, like, is offering money so that they don't tell on her. And then this happens, and now she has leverage and blackmail so that they won't tell that the husband's down there. And then it just becomes like this power struggle of, okay, so now they're not going to call the police because she has this evidence that they're actually a family scamming this rich family, right? She threatens to send the message, the video message, of them saying that that's their dad and that they're all actually a family and manages to get everybody back upstairs and are holding them almost hostage because if they move, if they do anything, then she's sending the message. She takes another video and it like cuts to like a weird scene. So it's like first this whole scene was like went from very scary and eerie all of a sudden to more humorous because they like fall down yeah. like dominoes <laughs> and then all this stuff and then it's like they obviously go through this and oh well I'm gonna tell on you no I'm gonna tell on you now I have this evidence and then it cuts to a scene where the old housekeeper and her husband are lying on the couch and she's just giving him a back massage and you don't see the other family and you yeah. just see them and they're just talking and they're just laying on the couch giving the massage and then it like widens out and then the family's like in the corner and they're, like, telling them what to do. Like, oh, lift your hands and do all this yeah. stuff. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, so the deal is that they have to have their arms all the way raised, like, both of them, which is very hard to do for a long time. She takes another video of them and is like, dad, and the dad says, like, yeah, and then mom, and the mom says, yeah, and then son and daughter, and so, like, showing that all of them are a family. She talks about, like, how disgusting they are and, like, pans the video camera to the big mess they made with all of the alcohol that they had been drinking. It's just crazy. Like, up to this point, you're like, where is this movie even going? Like, I would have never expected this. Like, this is so weird. And then they're talking about, um, like the old housekeeper and her husband are daydreaming about when they used to be able to be out and dancing in the sunshine and being normal people, really. It cuts out of the daydream very quickly as the Kim family is now rushing them and piling, like fighting with them, wrestling with them, trying to get the phone so that the message isn't sent. But then in the middle of them wrestling, nobody's really making any progress. They're all just like hitting each other and old housekeeper gets up and hits a couple of the Kim family with a light over the head and I thought for sure then was they were going to die right because she's like hitting them over the head and I was like whoa like this escalated very quickly Jessica after getting hit in the head goes and grabs a whole bag full of peaches and just dumps all the peaches on the old <laughs> housekeeper and like when I was watching this with Roger he just starts screaming and he's like whoa like she's going to kill her <laughs> I was like She's just, like, throwing these peaches at her. It's, like, I don't know. It's just so funny for some reason, but also, like, ah! Because she's just, like, dumping yeah. this bag of peaches, and they're, like, hitting her in the face. And it's just, yeah. like, they're, like, almost, like, stones, not even, like, peaches. It's, like, slamming her in the face and all over the ground, and she starts coughing and hacking and getting all crazy. You can instantly hear her starting to wheeze 
and you're just like whoa like this is like getting really serious and then she like grabs them and like is rubbing them in her face i was like yeah whoa (laughs) but like still the director was like somehow able to make that like kind of humorous like leading up to that point and so it's just like this like weird like tug between being funny and then being like oh my gosh like what is happening yeah in the middle of that the phone starts ringing they all kind of just like look at each other in like this panic mrs kim stands up walks over to the phone takes a deep breath like trying to calm down and it's just like okay and answers the phone and of course it's mrs park calling for her to start preparing food for the sun. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, oh, well, the camping trip got canceled because it was raining too hard. It just took us a little while to get packed up because Da Sung was kind of throwing a fit, which is like typical for little kids, you know? She's like, we'll be home in about eight minutes. Mrs. Kim repeats out loud, oh, you're going to be home in eight minutes. And then just like kind of hangs up the phone. Then everybody knows like, ah, crap, like we gotta get moving. Before any of this had even happened, they already trashed the living room pretty much with all the alcohol they had been drinking. They had broken some glass because they were drunk, you know. They already had a mess to clean up before they even started fighting with these people. Mr. Kim manages to get the housekeeper's husband in like headlock kind of thing and like rushes him towards the bunker where they were originally at kevin is trying to drag the old housekeeper because she's having this severe allergy attack and is like really lethargic and she's like she's a bigger woman and kevin doesn't seem to be that strong like he's just like this kind of like tall lanky scrawny guy throughout the whole time of trying to get them back down to the bunker he's like screaming like dad help I can't keep dragging her because basically it's like dead weight because she's having the severe allergy attack they're trying to manage that while Jessica's upstairs in the living room trying to clean up all of the alcohol and stuff which really she's just sweeping off of the table the coffee table and is sweeping it underneath the coffee table if the parks came back how would they not smell all of the alcohol you know it just doesn't seem to make sense but they're trying to move as fast as they can and then Mrs. Kim is in the kitchen trying to make their ramdan. Right in the middle of Jessica trying to clean it up and stuff, Kevin comes back up the stairs because his dad's like, don't worry, I got it, and is trying to figure out what to do with the old housekeeper. And he's, like, wrapping them up with wires, like, trying to tie their legs and arms together. Kevin runs out there to try to help Jessica, and then the parks start to walk back in. And so they quickly hide underneath. Yeah, because he was also reading the daughter's diary oh yeah and so because he was trying to quote unquote become closer to her as they were all drinking he was like reading her diary and so the daughter was like oh the diary you need to go put it back so he runs upstairs and is putting the diary back when the girl starts coming so he hides underneath the bed yeah so he's right you're right so that was also like a really big thing is that I they never mention exactly how old Kevin is but they do mention that the daughter is 15 and so they kind of have like this weird relationship and at one point they do kiss and so he's trying to like get in with the family forever basically saying that once she's in university then he's going to officially ask her out but he did take the diary to kind of feel closer to her and understand her better so when he's in the room she like you can hear them coming up the stairs or her coming up the stairs 
and he rolls underneath the bed as she's jumping onto the bed. You just kind of have like this anxiety because you're like, for sure these people are going to get caught. At one point, one of the dogs is halfway underneath the daughter's bed and is like whimpering because the dog can see Kevin underneath the bed and he's trying to like shoo him, trying to like wave his hand so that he's not found out. And the daughter just gets up and picks up the dog is like oh like what are you doing is there something underneath there and like lifts the bed skirt to look underneath but doesn't look underneath enough and then leaves to go yell at her mom because the housekeeper didn't make any rom dom for her they kind of like show the different aspects of both like the really severely poverty people and the very rich people her biggest worry is that the mom didn't offer her any of the Ramadan, even though the son didn't eat it. That leaves Jessica underneath the coffee table, kind of waiting it out, like not making any noise while everybody's like moving around her. The dad is still downstairs in the basement trying to get a hold of both the old housekeeper and her husband. They showed the old housekeeper starting to run up the stairs to the kitchen and she's like screaming. This <laughs> was really hard for me to understand. Because she's like running up the stairs screaming so calmly, Mrs. Kim walks over and kicks her in the stomach so that the old housekeeper goes tumbling down the stairs and like hits her head very hard on the wall at the end of the basement. And then at that point, you're like, oh gosh, she's done. Yeah, and like the layout of the kind of kitchen to like understand this a little bit more, it's like the dining room, the kitchen, and then there's this wall that leads down to the basement where the pantry kind of is and everything. And she's running up those stairs. She kicks her and she falls down to like the cement basement wall and she like hits her head like so yeah. hard. She perfectly lands where she just hits her head. And so then Mr. Kim walks up and realizes that she's kind of incapacitated. And starts dragging her to go into the hallway of the bunker, tries to wrap her up as well, and then notices that she's like bleeding through her out of her head. And there's like a lot of blood because he's getting it on his hand. He checks her if she's alive by putting his hand in front of her face to see if she like he can feel the breath. And then once he feels the breath, he's like, oh, thank God, and continues to tie her up. He takes the little lever thing that prevents the door from opening from the inside, closes the door, puts the pantry back in front of it, and then tries running back up to the kitchen to see, like, if he can get out. The mom kind of motions for him to run out. Now's the time to go. They're all upstairs. He starts running out, and him, Kevin, and Jessica are getting ready to get out of the house. All of a sudden, the parks start running downstairs because the son wants to go camping outside. They have to quickly slide underneath the coffee table hide while the parks are all downstairs okay like not too bad right and then the son is outside and the mom and dad are sitting on the couch like using their little walkie-talkies to talk to the son then they decide to sleep on the couch because then they'll be able to have their eyes on their son all night and not have to be as worried about him sleeping outside, right? Then you're like, well, shoot, because then that means that the Kims have to be all under the coffee table all night because that's where they're going to be sleeping. Like, there's no way they're going to be able to move without being caught. And they kind of start talking about the Kim family. Mr. Park brings up how he really does like Mr. Kim because although he gets close to crossing the line, he never actually crosses it but he has a really big problem with the way he smells. 
and you can see like the face of Mr. Kim underneath the coffee table and he's just kind of like they all have to sit here and listen to them talking smack about them basically smack about the family because there were earlier scenes where the little son is running around and like is smelling all of them and is like oh Mr. Kim and Mrs. Kim or like the housekeeper both smell the same and then they're like oh like stop that like just go upstairs to Jessica and he's like oh well actually Jessica smells the same too and so like there's this like they know that all of the family like smells very similar and so when he's saying that Mr. Kim smells um, Mrs. Park is like oh like you know like an old man and he's like no like the way the subway smells which basically is like he smells like a poor person She's like, oh, I haven't rode the subway in years, you know, because, like, they don't have to anymore. They have the privilege of having a car and having a driver. You can kind of tell that they're, like, talking down on the family because they all smell. Well, they're, like, disgusted, like, by the way that Mr. Kim smells. And it's not like they recognize that everyone smells the same. The son just said that. Um, And, like, the wife hadn't noticed really before. But he was saying, like, oh, like, when we're driving, like, I'm so close to him, I'm in the back seat, and I can smell him. And it just basically, basically saying, like, oh, he just smells, like, poor. He smells, like, not high class, and that's crossing a line. He doesn't explicitly say that, but you can tell, like, that's what he's saying. Exactly what he's meaning by it, Yeah. It's just, like, kind of, it's really hard watching the family listen to this conversation. And you're just like, ugh, you know? Mr. and Mrs. Park end up getting into it and having sex, basically, on the couch while Mr. Kim and his two children are underneath the coffee table listening. And so it's, like, this really just big, awkward conversation, like, awkward situation just makes you cringe. Like, I can't believe that this is happening. Finally... Mrs. Kim comes out in the middle of the night and sends them a message to their phone. Okay, now's your time to leave. They're out dead. Like, they're definitely asleep. You're not going to wake them up. Like, leave. It's like this really, it's so humorous because then they just, like, one by one start dragging themselves out, like, laying on their stomachs, basically, and pulling themselves out and, like, dragging their bodies out. But when Jessica does it, she drags herself out and then stands up and, like, lightly runs to the staircase. And then Kevin does the same. But Mr. Kim drags his body the whole entire time instead of getting up and walking. But when he's halfway to the staircase, the little boy outside camping radios into his dad and is like emergency everybody wakes up and Mr. Kim is just in the middle of the floor laying down on his stomach and you're just like at that time it's like (gasps) like he's going to get caught you know Mr. Park and Mrs. Park sit up and they're like in this like daze kind of because they're like startled awake and they're trying to figure out what's going on with their son like he's yelling emergency you know they're like what like what happened and he's like I'm just really bored and I can't sleep they kind of like brush it aside and decide to go back to sleep Mr. Kim somehow doesn't get caught even though he's laying in the middle of their living room floor so he continues he continues to like inch and he's like it's like a worm like moving like a worm on the floor like just dragging his body to the staircase then he finally gets up 
and they run out. Once they're out of the house, they're running down the stairs to the garage and then they open the garage and get out. They start running home. It's pouring down rain, like it's this really big storm and they're running in pouring rain. The way the movie makes it seem, it's a pretty far ways to go and they're just running that whole time. They finally get to their neighborhood area and it's pretty severely flooded. They start to panic. They're like, oh shoot, like they live in a semi-basement. They don't live like on the third story. If it's flooded, then most likely their apartment's going to be flooded. Mr. Kim and Kevin start running and Mr. Kim tells Jessica to stay there because it's septic water, which means the toilet and sewer, it's all in the street. They're running to their apartment and of course, Mr. Kim says, did we leave the window open? Wouldn't really prevent that much. Like it would still get in. They get to their apartment and of course it's flooded and it's all toilet water and it's disgusting and you can tell that the water's not clean as they're running through it trying to collect anything they can they show jessica running into the bathroom and their toilets literally like spewing dirty toilet water this is actually like an iconic scene for the movie because it like shows their poverty she's like not really phased by it she just shuts the toilet as it's spewing toilet water still sits on it and like smokes a cigarette this is happening at sex but this is like also seems to be something that they're not entirely phased by like perhaps it happened before they're used to this maybe periodically happening when storms happen you know you can tell that their apartment's ruined they don't really get much but a few things. In the next scene, they're in this really big gymnasium, I think it is. And there's like a ton of people just one foot away from each other all laying down trying to sleep on the floor of the gymnasium, trying to stay safe from the storm and stay dry, you know. They show the family, Kevin leans over and is like, hey, dad, like you said you had a plan to make this all better. Like, what's the plan? And he's like, oh, I was just saying that whenever you make a plan, it's always going to fail. The plan is to just like not have a plan basically. Then it goes into the next morning and they're all waking up in this really overcrowded gymnasium. Jessica gets a call saying that the parks are going to throw this impromptu birthday party for their son. It's such a beautiful day out like after the storm, like thank God for the storm. So she invites Jessica over because she wants her to give her son the cake for the party because it's going to be this big iconic thing for the family. She has to go and pick out an outfit from like this communal pile of clothes. Everybody's fighting over clothes and everybody's screaming because nobody has anything anymore because all of their stuff is ruined from the storm. Kevin gets invited because the park's daughter really wants him there because she's in love with him. And then Mr. Kim has to go because Mrs. Park has to run all of these errands to get ready for the party. So they're all having to get these nice-ish clothes so that they can go to the party. They show the family at the park's house getting ready for the birthday and it's just much more tense. The family's no longer having this really good time because they know what is happening in the bunker and Mr. Kim especially because he heard the family talking poorly about the poor people and how his family is like poor. And like how basically their entire community was just yeah. ruined. And they have to just store. go to this party and pretend like nothing's happening, you know. There are parts where Mrs. Park is in the store and she's like, oh, good thing that it rained. It's so beautiful. This kind of thing doesn't affect the rich like it did the poor people. And then there's a scene where Mrs. Park is in the car and Mr. Kim is driving and she's on the phone and she's talking and then she kind of makes 
So she sniffs and then she makes like a oh kind of noise and then starts like rubbing her nose and is like disgusted by how he smells, which I'm sure he does smell worse because he was just swimming basically in septic water. And I don't think that he had access to a shower in the gymnasium but so she's kind of disgusted and she rolls down the window and you can just see like the tension grow even more in Mr. Kim they go back to the house and they're setting up Jessica goes into the kitchen and is like hey like dad was talking about a plan but like do you know what we're going to do about the woman and the man downstairs like what are we going to do and Mrs. Kim basically says oh like I don't really know but like we need to talk to them and She's like, I'm sure they're really hungry. So she makes a plate up for them. And then Jessica grabs more food and is like ready to take the plate downstairs. But then Mrs. Park comes into the kitchen and kind of interrupts that plan. They have to play it off like they're just going to go, like go on with the day, whatever. And so they don't get to make the little peace offering that they were wanting to, which we know (laughs) wouldn't have worked, but like they had good intentions, you know. Downstairs, It's clear that the wife has died because she is trying to help her husband get free and, like, trying to rip the duct tape that's around him, trying to help him. And she keeps saying, like, as she has blood gushing from her head, she's like, oh, like, I'm really dizzy. Like, I have a concussion. And they show her, like, throwing up in the toilet and she's not doing so hot. It's clear that she's not going to make it. This kind of kind of puts the husband in like this frenzy. Kevin is upstairs with the Park daughter and is saying he's kind of asking like if he fits into that lifestyle kind of thing. He just states that he has to go take care of something downstairs. So he gets this big rock and is ready to go like finish off what happened. He starts going downstairs while the party's still going on and he walks down the bunker And of course, he drops the big rock and it falls down all of the stairs making a ton of noise. Right there, you're like, okay, quit. Like, just leave. Not a good idea. He walks down the stairs and he sees like the head and shoulders of a body. And so he starts walking towards it and is like, are you okay? Like, hello? Like, are you okay? And then you see like a rope coming over the head and wrap around his neck. And then the husband is dragging him across the bunker and locks him or tries to lock him into poles and he like starts moving trying to get away and he somehow gets out of it and just starts running as the husband is chasing him with the big rock trying to hit him over the head instead so he's running up the stairs running 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 but he has this like big wire following him the husband catches the wire and like pulls him so that he falls back And then uses the rock to hit him over the head. And like at this point I thought for sure he was dead. Because like there's blood everywhere. He hits him really hard over the head two times. In the middle of this nine year old whatever birthday party. He's walking out covered in blood. With frenzy in his eyes. And grabs a knife. And then starts charging with the knife. And Jessica's out there trying to deliver the birthday cake to this little boy. And he stabs her in the heart. Everybody of course starts screaming. Because like who could have ever imagined that this would happen so just to be clear it was like the husband who had lived downstairs who was doing all this now who stabbed Mm -hmm. the mom and all that um and it kind of cuts to like a flashback for the boy you know at that moment that his like trauma that he like faced was like seeing him before come up from the basement like that was the ghost he saw and that's why he's so like messed up or whatever and why his art is the way it is or whatever 
Um, so it's literally like his ghost coming to life and like killing his mom. Yeah, and then goes after his the sister and like she is stabbed and so of course like her dad, the driver, comes and is like trying to stop the wound like from bleeding and at that point everyone from the party is like trying to run away and so mr park is like get the like come on let's go like you're the you're my driver like you need to get me out of here you need to get my family out of here and he's like holding the wound of his daughter like he's not going to leave his daughter and the guy's like just throw me the keys like and i think he like realizes at that moment like that they're more than just like employees yeah like, they know like there's something there yeah so he could like he's realizing that there's something and he's like just throw me the keys throw me the keys he doesn't care about the fact that jessica is stabbed and yeah doesn't really like care about that he just wants to leave so he throws the keys and it like lands on the ground mrs kim is wrestling with the guy trying to stop him because he just stabbed her daughter in the heart so he's trying yeah. to stop him and she grabs a skewer that has like meat and vegetables still on it and sticks it in his side but like as they're struggling is when mr kim throws the keys and they like land on top of it and so mr park comes over like once they're done after mrs kim like runs over to her daughter to make sure like everything's okay Mr. Park is like, okay, like, I have to get the keys. They only have 15 minutes to get to the hospital because their son's having a seizure. And so he comes and tries to pick up the keys. The old housekeeper's husband is like, Mr. Park. And so Mr. Park's like, oh, like, you know me? And then he just, like, sounds like a, a crazy person because, like, he is. And um, he kind of dismisses him and tries rolling him over but then Mr. Park plugs his nose because he smells dirty. Like he's a poor person kind of thing, you know? So he plugs yeah. his nose and is trying to look away because he's disgusted and picks up the keys and starts walking away. But this like sets Mr. Kim over the edge. So Mr. Kim sees like how he treated him. Like obviously Mr. Kim doesn't like the old housekeeper's husband, just stabbed his daughter in the heart. But seeing like how mr park treated him was just like too much so he gets up grabs the knife pulls mr park's shoulder and then stabs him in the heart and like instantly you can tell he's dead and it's like during this entire moment it like kind of like slow motions almost and it's just showing like mr park's face this mm -hmm. entire time in mr kim's face and it's like so devastating to mr kim because like his family is like being attacked and all this stuff and Mr. Park does not care. He just wants to leave. Like, yeah. he doesn't care that during this entire time, like, he's asking for the keys as a woman's being attacked with a knife and he does nothing about it. Like, he does not care. Like, this is his employee being attacked and he just wants to get out of there and wants the keys. And, and then, like, even this person who's literally dying on the floor, he's more worried about, like, his disgust for the smell than, like, trying to understand this is a real human who's dying. <laughs> Yeah. So something just snapped, like, in that moment that he doesn't care about, like, human life, like, really. Like, he doesn't care about anything but himself and, like... His family, that's all that matters. Which, like, I mean... His wealth and his greed. 
it's hard to like kind of judge him though because I feel like if my son was having a seizure then like I don't know how I would act but like he's just having no sense of remorse for like anything else that's going on it's like he's like Mr. Kim like drive us to the hospital but Mr. Kim is like holding Jessica and like putting pressure on her wound because she's dying she's bleeding out you know and so it's like it's crazy but then they show Mr. Kim realizing I just killed this man I have to leave he has no other choice he doesn't say anything to his wife or anything he just runs it then cuts to Kevin being in the hospital and he survived he lost a lot of blood and he had like a traumatic brain injury but they show him waking up out of a coma it's just kind of really sad because he has this brain injury and it's causing him to like laugh at everything they show him laughing when he wakes up they show him laughing when him and his mom are in court and they're getting probation for forgery and trespassing and these crimes that they did it shows him laughing when he and his mom are visiting jessica's grave mrs kim is crying obviously because her daughter is dead he kind of goes on to like talk about how they're being trailed because like they don't know where his father is either um he's still at large every like the police are still looking for him But then he says that eventually the trailing stops and that he isn't being followed anymore. And so he goes and he revisits the old like mansion, the Parks house. And he's sitting out there in the snow with his binoculars watching the house because the old housekeeper's husband used to send Morse code messages using the lights in the base or in the bunker. And so he went over there to go watch the lights. And right away, he can tell that his dad is down there because there's being there's Morse code messages coming through the lights. So he writes down the message that his dad has for him and he takes it home and deciphers it. And it's talking about how when his dad ran away, he ran down the stairs into the alleyway behind the mansion and runs back inside into the house through the garage. And he knew then that he had to go down to the bunker and live down there because like there was no other option and so he's been living down there ever since that incident happened um like waiting to be able to have the chance to make contact which is like clear that he's never going to know if he was able to make contact or not until he like explicitly sees the family you know what I mean like he just keeps like blindly doing this out of hope and then it cuts to Kevin writing this letter back to him saying that he has this whole plan to become rich like this is the only option he has to become rich he has to save up enough money to buy the house so that his dad can finally walk free he comes out of like this little like daydream of that happening and it flashes back to the present and that's the end of the movie now I want to talk about the different easter eggs in the movie so I've said that I watched this movie three times now because I love movies that make you think right And you're just like the kind of movies that every time you watch, you see something different because you have to like really be paying attention to it. A couple of Easter eggs that I have found. One of the big ones was when Mr. Kim is driving um, Mr. Park around and they're talking about the housekeeper quitting. And he was like, oh, like, yeah, I really enjoyed her. She made really good ribs, whatever. But the biggest thing Like, the one thing that I didn't like about her is that she ate a lot. She ate enough for two. And, like, at that time, you're like, yeah, she's a bigger woman. Like, she eats a lot, you know? 
but really it's because she's saving food for her husband. And so she's not actually eating for two. She's just taking enough food for two because she has to give food for her husband so he survives. And it's like, yeah. when you like look back at that, you're like, wow, that makes so much sense. Um, and then another one is, we didn't really talk a lot about this in the description, which is crazy considering how much we talked. Um, but there's like this whole scene about whenever Mr. Park is walking up the stairs, um, the old housekeeper's husband will be like at this like light switchboard kind of thing and he hits different lights each time as he's walking up so that it's perfectly aligned lighting up like a sensor when he's walking up the stairs after watching the movie like a second time you can see that happening in the beginning scenes and so like although you don't know that it's a person down there like they're already showing that he's doing that and so I just thought that was kind of (laughs) cool oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so I have a couple theories. One thing that Roger wanted me to talk about, have you ever seen the the poster for the movie? Yes. I saw like the, when you look it up or whatever, like the cover page or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then like when you click on the movie, like on Hulu, it shows. Yeah. To kind of describe it a little, it's the, I think mostly the Kims in the poster on the lawn of the Parks house. Everybody in the picture has sensors over their eyes. I looked up what this meant and they do that because in Korea, whenever somebody commits a crime, they always put sensors over the eyes in the photos to protect the identity. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so before you even watch the movie, if you see the poster then you already know that these people committed a crime. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And then another thing is, a big thing, so I went on, have you ever been on Reddit before? Yeah. I turned to Reddit for most of my research. (laughs) A big discussion that a lot of people have about this movie is why was Jessica the one who had to die? Because in the grand scheme of things, she wasn't the most at fault for what happened. Yeah, she put a lot of peach on that woman, but she wasn't otherwise physically harming (laughs) the two people, right? The biggest thing that people were saying is that she was probably the one who had to die in the movie because out of everybody in that family, she was the most likely to get out of poverty. And so that was like kind of symbolizing that the family's not going to go anywhere. I can definitely see that. Cause like when she's doing the Photoshop stuff, they're like, Oh wow. Like yeah. she, if there was a major for forgery or whatever, like she would be top of her class. Yeah. And then like when they're in the house, and like drinking or like you know like spending the time in there when the parks are gone she's like in the bathtub like and she's watching tv or whatever and the brother says like oh like this life suits you yeah like Like, you fit right in yeah so I could definitely see like yeah their dream of becoming that is like symbolized in her a lot in this movie and so, like, she dies in that dream, and that symbolism also dies. Yeah. Which is, like, you don't really think about that when you're watching it, but, like, thinking about it later, it's like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And then something else that came up when I was reading about that was somebody was like, well, why was Kevin, why isn't he able to move on and get rich, like, after this? Because in the ending, he's saying, like, to solve this, 
I'm going to be rich. I'm going to buy the house. And like, that's how I'm going to save my dad. We all know that that's most likely not going to happen. Like, if it was that easy, then why wouldn't they have done that to begin with, you know? Yeah. Like, they spend their whole life scamming all these people, and they're still not rich. The producer makes a comment on the film's ending. He says that he gives Kevin three strikes, because now that all of that has happened, he suffers from brain damage, he has a criminal record, and he has the trauma of his sister dying. Realistically, it's really hard to come out of that, you know? Like, yeah. not saying that it's impossible, but that it's really hard to come out of that. Well, it's already hard to come out of poverty, and then having all yeah. of that against you as well. It just mm-hmm. seems impossible. So In the ending scene, when it fades to the black, and then, like, the credits start rolling, and then the song starts playing. So that song was written by the director and sung by the actor who played Kevin, and it talks about how it would take well over 500 years for him to save up enough money to buy that house. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Yeah, and so I just thought that was pretty interesting, because it's like, we don't speak Korean, so we wouldn't have ever known that, because it's a Korean song. Yeah. And so, now I have a few questions for you, Brittany. Oh, I'm so nervous. I only watched it once. <laughs> I'm not going to quiz you on the movie. <laughs> okay. okay, fine. There's been a lot of like, not like controversy, but a lot of talk about people like not wanting to watch the movie and even refusing to watch the movie solely because it's a foreign film. And so you have to read the subtitles. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about watching a two and a half hour movie all in subtitles? Ugh. So when Casey brought this up to me and she told me that, I was like, oh, well, like, would my boyfriend also, like, like the movie? And she's like, oh, well, like, it's in Korean, so you have to, like, read the subtitles. And I'm like, yeah, he's not going to watch it. And I right. was kind of feeling the same way. I'm like, oh, if Casey didn't tell me, like, she wanted to do a podcast on it, I wouldn't have watched it. But after doing it, I feel like it was helpful. Because you do get, like, more into the movie and you have to, like, pay attention. You can't be on your phone. You can't be doing something else. Which is, like, basically what I always do when I'm watching TV. Like, it's never, like, I'm only solely focused on that. And I feel like a lot of TV shows or movies, there's not, like, in-depth symbolism that we catch nowadays. Because we're just not paying attention. So. Yeah. I definitely feel like it made me pay attention more, but, and, like, feel like the emotions the director wanted me to feel more because, like, I wasn't distracted. Yeah. There's, like, so much hidden meaning and, like you said, like, symbolism throughout the entire movie, which I'm sure is exactly why it was nominated and won so many awards. It just took you on a roller coaster throughout the whole plot. (laughs) I wanted to ask, what was the most shocking part of the movie for you? I mean, I feel like it was pretty shocking, obviously, to figure out that there was, like, a basement, like, bunker and everything like that. But taking that, like, out, I feel like it's probably that, like, Mr. Kim was the one to snap. I really thought it was going to be the son if, like, anyone was to snap. 
because he was the one that like kind of started this all mm-hmm. and like it came it seemed to focus on him more in the beginning and everything so I was not expecting that well and at the end it kind of shows him like almost going into like this psychosis like when he decides he needs to go finish it off and yeah. so like I could definitely see like him being the one snapping which he almost did but he just wasn't successful yeah so that's I guess is probably like more surprising like because they let it up in a way that I wasn't prepared for that yeah but I guess like he is the head of the family so it is yeah like understandable in that way but watching the film I wasn't expecting it who do you think was able to pull off the scheme the best not including Jessica because obviously she was like built for this lifestyle I was definitely gonna say Jessica (laughs) I would probably say both of the parents did really well like they all did really well to be able to like pull this off but the parents just seem to have like more experience running these kind of schemes like when the dad was hired as the driver like they went it shows you like them going to different car dealerships and like looking at all the different kinds of cars and figuring out how to drive them and like what the like tools are and everything so he seemed really comfortable and like Mr. Park had a cup of coffee that was like super full like who is gonna ever bring that cup of coffee into the car but it was like a test for the Mm -hmm. driver to see if he could hold this full cup of coffee without it spilling and that shows like their experience and he didn't spill it at all like even when he turned or whatever and I'm gonna spill coffee if I'm turning in a car so I feel like he was able to like do all of that and like do the research and like know what he needed to know the best yeah and he was like when you see that scene of them running lines together like when he's acting out how he's going to approach Mrs. Park about the old housekeeper and like getting her fired he like uses different emotions and then when he's like told like he needs to dial it down then he does and then it's like perfect and it's like like clearly this is their life is scamming yeah yeah so I feel like definitely him yeah I think so so would you recommend this movie to other people I would definitely recommend this movie to other people I feel like it was a really good movie and it puts you through like a lot of different head spaces I feel like yeah the two and a half hours because it's like like we were saying earlier it goes from being funny and like kind of cunning to very serious and dark scary and dark and kind of like um suspenseful so I definitely would recommend it just make sure to put down your phone because you'll miss everything (laughs) so yeah when I was watching this with Roger we were eating dinner and I was like like looking at him out of the side of my eye you know like making sure he was paying attention because not only is it all in subtitles but they talk fast like the subtitles go fast yeah and so even if you look away for a second and be like oh look there's a squirrel outside like you're going to miss something the whole time I was just like kind of stressed that he was going to miss half the movie because he's looking at his plate trying to pick what food to pick up (laughs) um but he like he actually watches like quite a bit of foreign stuff so he's used to reading subtitles so 
Yeah. So I've never really watched foreign films before, but like thinking about it, I use subtitles like all the time whenever I'm watching anything just because I have trouble hearing. (laughs) You weirdo. (laughs) Well, I can't hear like as well as everybody else. And so when Roger's watching TV and I'm watching TV with him, like he just keeps it down at a lower volume. So we have the subtitles on so I don't miss anything. Oh, Chad's just like, can you hear it? And then we have to, like, turn it up. <laughs> but hey, it's no. fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I didn't feel like it was that different. But, like, when you're watching it in a different language, it's just, I thought for sure it was going to be harder because you, I thought, like, oh, you're not going to be able to watch the movie as much because you're going to be spending the whole time reading. But, like, it was fine. Yeah. So maybe this opens the doors to me watching more foreign films. <laughs> you could just give me your recommendations and then maybe I'll watch them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. I've never heard of a foreign film like this doing as well as yeah. this one did. So do you know if the like awards, like are they all, I, they can't all be Korean awards. Like, no, so like- the the four Oscars are obviously American awards, mm-hmm. but reading um, through the list, like some of them are in Africa, like it's they're from all over. But anyway, yeah. So if you guys ever have any movie recommendations, just send them our way and we'd love to dive deep in it. <laughs> yeah. Next time we'll try to um, not spend the whole first hour talking about the movie, but this was a really in-depth movie. It was two and a half hours there's a lot of things that like wouldn't make sense to like talk about without explaining exactly and then in the future of course we'll continue to put time stamps so if you want to skip ahead past the description if you feel like you already know the movie well enough then we'll tell you exactly where to go yeah okay well we'll catch you guys in the next one thanks bye (laughs) 